Good morning, church. My name is Ellie Lamb. And this morning, we're going to be talking about wholehearted service. And as I started thinking about this idea of wholehearted service, this story about me and my three siblings from when we were much younger popped into my head. One morning, we decided we loved our mom and our dad. And so we decided to make them breakfast. We chose to do yogurt bowls, but of course, we couldn't present them bowls full of yogurt and void of everything that makes yogurt delicious. So we scattered. And we started gathering all of the typical yogurt toppings, like spoons full of sugar, gummy worms, Pop-Tarts, everything from our Halloween candy bags. And as the bowls were overflowing, and we, I'm sure, were being very loud, our parents came downstairs and busted us. And I'm sure that they were horrified because we had totally wrecked their kitchen, wasted so much food, and made something terrible. And even as the four of us were sitting there with the bowls, holded up to them saying, look, mom, look, dad, doesn't it look delicious? Even though I'm sure it wasn't delicious and I really hope they didn't eat it, they were still so sweet and they were so kind and they were thankful. And I'm sure it was because they could tell that we chose to do that because we loved them with our whole heart and we wanted to serve them. It wasn't something that was super easy to do. It wasn't something that benefited us. It was something we did with our whole heart. But so often, we lack that childlike ability to serve one another and to serve the Lord with our whole heart. Wholehearted service is not easy. There's this story in the Bible about two brothers, Cain and Abel. It's found in Genesis chapter four. I'm gonna read verses three through five from the NIV. In the course of time, Cain brought some fruit of the soul as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Now I think it's easy to get a little bit confused because it doesn't say what Cain brought was bad. The fruit wasn't rotten, it wasn't moldy, it wasn't nasty fruit like cranberries. It was just fruit. But what Abel brought, what Abel brought was the freshest, the best, what I'm sure he would have rather kept for himself. Cain's offering was easy, it was convenient. How often do we bring God what is easy and convenient? How often do we use our time to serve him when we're already free, well-rested, and in a good mood? How often do we use our talents to serve him when it doesn't get in the way of what we've already had planned? How often do we give him our treasure when it's not that big of a loss? How often do we serve God when it's easy? But not only do we serve God when it's easy, we're also often so willing to serve when it benefits us. But wholehearted service, it's not self-serving. How often do we serve to get something out of it? Or because we really want people to see us and think, wow, I do that. If I'm being totally honest, it's been a constant temptation this summer because I hope you know the people at this church, they're encouraging. 
and the temptation to desire to serve because I wanna know what people have to say about me or because I want that praise, I want that affirmation rather than desiring to serve because all I care about is God has been so readily available this summer. I've had to stop to invite the Holy Spirit into what I was doing so that he could take the tension off of me. Don't get me wrong, encouragement is so good. We need it. But when we're serving out of a desire to receive rather than to give, we have lost the point and we have become half-hearted, self-serving people. The Bible's really clear about this. From Colossians 3, verses 23 through 24, I'm gonna read from the NIV. It says this. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for human masters since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. We're not called to be self-serving. We're not called to work for the praise of people. No, we're called to work knowing that ultimately we are serving God, not people. This can look a lot of different ways. I've shared for me how it looks like trying to impress other people and gain that attention. For others of us, it looks like desiring to gain material things. And for others of us, it looks like really just wanting other people to see you and think that you have it all together. But is that loving? We have to shift the focus from serving ourselves for our own fame, our own glory, and our own recognition to serving because all we care about is God's glory, fame, and recognition. We have to understand that we serve an audience of one. I don't think we're ever intentionally self-serving. And I would be willing to bet that we're not intentionally mean or cruel. No, I think the thing that ruins our service is that we are simply half-hearted. Let me explain a little bit of what this means. You can't have all of your heart in one place if part of it is missing. You can't be wholehearted in any regard if even just a tiny piece of it is somewhere else. Again, Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. Paul clearly thinks that's important. We've already talked about how, how um, wholehearted service is not easy or convenient. It's not self-serving or prideful. Wholehearted service is demonstrated by things that take a lot of work and energy. By choosing to allow other people to be greater than yourself. This can look like giving away your Sunday morning to help serve in the children's ministry. Or using the talents and skills that you have been given to help somebody in need. Or it can look like choosing to be a role model to somebody who just really needs somebody to look up to. And all of those things absolutely embody wholehearted service. But Jesus takes it a step further. Jesus says that we are also called to serve the people that we like the least. Luke chapter six talks about loving your enemies 
doing good to those who hate you, blessing those who curse you, and praying for those who abuse you. Wow. This means showing kindness to that boss that is so often unfair and cruel to you. Caring for that family member that is always hurting you. Praying for those people that always leave you feeling broken, undervalued, used, and manipulated. I don't know about you, but it's hard for me to do those things half-heartedly. But when we radically serve people like that, like Jesus did, and like Jesus tells us to, it takes all of our heart. We just can't do it half-heartedly. When I started thinking about wholehearted service, the Lord gave me this word. So in closing, I want to share it with you. Wholehearted service is not a sprint. It's not a summer camp. Not a few days of being all in. It is a marathon. A lifetime of ministry. A commitment to act on the Lord's will for yourself and others. Wholehearted service is not letting self-service be a distraction. It is a sacrifice. Wholehearted service is giving up the best of your time, the first of your fruit, and the treasures that you hold onto the closest. Wholehearted service is not easy. It is choosing to love everyone the way that Jesus did, even those who hate you. Wholehearted service is not our natural state. Rather, it's one that happens because we are invited by God to be a part of his supernatural, mega-rad, completely perfect will. Wholehearted service is not halfway. It's not simply checking a box. It's not superficial or prideful. No. Wholehearted service is kneeling before God and knowing that he is completely worthy of the best we've got. So Lord, here we are, kneeling before you, desiring to serve you, because we know that you are completely worthy of the best we've got. In the live ministry, I've really seen um, Pam, Pam Bone, and the people that serve under her just so willing, so willing to listen to the Lord in this time. To me, um, I think that because God is so worthy for us, um, that I just want to give my all to Him. And I just see, I just see God's heart in so many different ways in the story of Jose and Gomer that um, God really is for. No matter what, and his heart is 
just committed to us. So good morning, church. My name is Riley Higgins, and I have had the pleasure of serving as a senior intern this past summer. I wanna start by giving a few thank yous. The first being thank you to Ellie Lamb and the internship team. This summer did not look like what we thought it would, but God has used it, and God has used it for his glory and for his good. The second thank you I wanna give is to Amanda Bowden for her work on the videos that you've seen. Um, They've just been excellent. And thirdly, I wanna say thank you to Christ Community. Thank you to the staff for taking a chance on us this summer in the middle of a global pandemic. So with that being said, I would like to open us in a word of prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for this opportunity to present your word. God, I just pray that I'm used as a vessel for your work, God. That my words are your words. In your name I pray. Amen. So this morning I'm going to be taking apart a passage in Luke. It's Luke 21, 1 through 4. So to give a little context, Jesus and his disciples had just made it to Jerusalem in their ministry journey, and Jesus has been preaching and teaching in the temple. And then we pick up in verse 1, and I will be reading from the New Living Translation. While Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. Then a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. I tell you the truth. Jesus said, this poor widow has given more than all the rest of them. For they have given a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she has. So starting in verse one, we notice it's quite interesting that Jesus was watching people. That he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box, but he also noticed the widow. He watched the widow. He knew her. He knew her pain. He knew her loss. And he knew her heart. So in the verse following, we see that the widow dropped in two small coins. And in some translations, that might be translated to uh, leptin or mite. And that is the smallest of the Jewish coin. And after a little bit of research, I learned that leptin or mite by today's standards would be roughly associated to a penny. So the widow gave two pennies to the collection box. Her offering was so small compared to the rich men before her, but Jesus declared this truth. He said, the poor widow has given more than all the rest. How? How can she have given more than all the rest when we see in the previous verse that the rich people dropped these gifts and then she came by and dropped in two small coins? And we see in the next verse, she gave everything she had. And if we look at the original text, the words everything she had translates to panta, icon, beyond. Panta meaning all, everything. Icon meaning possession, ownership, and beyond meaning life. So she gave everything she owned, possessed in her life. So how can she have given more? It was because she gave all she had to the Lord. She gave her very life, her living, to the Lord. So this morning, church, I'm going to be sharing three truths about wholehearted service that are highlighted in various scriptures and in a personal testimony. So the first one, wholehearted service 
is selfless. It's not about me. It's not about you. The widow understood this idea because she so easily could have kept one of those coins. She could have said, you know what? I might need this later. Put it in her pocket and went on about her day, but she didn't. She gave everything she had. Without hesitation or question, she radically abandoned herself for God. It didn't make sense. It still doesn't make sense, but she gave all she had as poor as she was. So what does it mean for us today to give and live radically for God? Paul's ministry and his life and letters to the churches are a great example of this. So Paul lived for God with his whole heart, soul, mind, and strength, while also loving his neighbor as himself. Why? Why would Paul decide to live this selfless, selfless, selfless life? Because Christ did. Paul lived with this selfless abandonment because Christ did, because Jesus set the example. And you can see that in the life of the disciples. They led this life because they had a great leader in Jesus, in God. It was contagious to live radically. And in Paul's case, Christ's love, which had originally converted him, now compelled him to live radically. In church, I believe that's an invitation for us. That Christ's love can convert us and compel us to serve. So when we begin to understand that it's not about us, when we begin to serve selflessly, we realize it's for the glory of God and the benefit of others. And it frees us from this need to perform. When you look at the example of the rich men, they wanted people to see them putting money in the collection box. The poor widow knew the focus wasn't on her. It was on God. And when we serve selflessly, the focus is not on us, but on God. And then the example of Paul, he had a desire to please and obey God. And that's an invitation for us as well. We, have, we need to have this desire, this compelling force to want to please and obey God through service. So going back to that question from earlier, what does it mean to live and give radically to the Lord? It's to realize it's not about us, that it's not about us, but it's all about God. And that leads into my second point. Wholehearted service is all about God. So have you ever been serving in somewhere in your community or in a position of leadership in your church or something and just felt bored, felt mundane, tired, burnout, bleh, for lack of a better term, just bleh in your position? Like, what am I doing here? Why am I doing this? Why am I serving the answer to that question comes in the first part of the core value. Because God is worthy. So why, why do we serve? Because God is worthy. Not just because God sent his son to save us, but because he's God. Not just because of the amazing testimonies we have and the things he's done for us and the things he's done for us, but because he's just God. He's just God. A great example of this is in 1 Chronicles. So King David in 1 Chronicles shows us why we need to recognize this worthiness of God. 
And in 1 Chronicles 29, the Israelites are starting to build a temple. And King David and his leaders decide to give all their resources freely, willingly, and wholeheartedly. King David, then after this this incredible encounter with the Lord, offers this prayer in the presence of the whole assembly, declaring how great God is. And in 1 Chronicles 29, 11, I'll be reading from the New Living Translation again. Again, it says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Everything in the heavens and on earth is yours, O Lord, and this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. So King David's prayer reminds the people that not only is God worthy, but that everything they have is a gift from God. We can know this personally. We can know that not only is God worthy, but that everything we have is a gift from him. Everything is a gift from God. And when we can know this, when we can begin to understand this, it shifts our spirit. Our spirit is no longer about self-fulfillment. It's about servanthood. It's about serving. When we acknowledge the worthiness of God and that everything isn't ours, it removes that mundane feeling in service because you know the objective. It's because God's worthy and it delights him. It delights him when we give of our time, talents, and treasures to glorify him. And when we understand this, nothing we have is ours. We realize this. We become better stewards of our things because we realize it all belongs to God. So going back to the widow in Luke, because we're not going to leave her behind, we have to believe, even if it's not stated in Scripture, that she gave with purpose. That she gave knowing it wasn't hers. She gave sacrificially. That leads into my final point. Wholehearted service will take sacrifice. Notice that statement didn't involve a maybe. It didn't involve a might take sacrifice. It will take sacrifice. And I know King David just said in the previous scripture that nothing we have is ours, which is true. So what are we sacrificing? But service is a choice. It's not mandatory. It's a choice. It's a choice to acknowledge the goodness of God. It's a choice to sacrifice. It's a choice to be compelled by that force we talked about earlier. In church, the biggest thing that we can sacrifice is our hearts. Every room of our hearts. Even the parts we try to hide, even the parts we may not like, even the parts that we don't even know about yet. We need to give it all to God. Because really, the greatest act of sacrifice, of service, is a heart for God. I'm going to read that again because it's so powerful. The greatest act of service is a heart for God. And I came to understand this personally through my own serving at Christ Community. So my primary role of service here has been in children's ministry. I've been doing this for about 10 years, serving with four-year-olds up to about eight. And I'm only 20 years old. I've been doing this for 10 years and it started as a place to get volunteer hours, to kind of sneak in, serve, get somebody to sign a form that has the amount of hours I served and get out. It wasn't wholehearted. It wasn't wholehearted service. But God used children. God used children to soften my heart, to hear him. 
to hear what I was doing was good. But eventually I got tired of it. I surfed every Sunday. I got so exhausted. I was burnt out. I didn't know what I was doing. So with the encouragement of my parents, I took a break. And in that break, I had an encounter with the Lord where I realized I had it all wrong. I had service all wrong. I realized those three things, those three truths about wholehearted service. It's not about me. I need to serve selflessly. And it's all about God because he is so worthy of our service and it will require sacrifice. And for me, it was in the form of my heart for God. So after this encounter, this Holy Spirit moment in my life, I returned to service. I went back to children's ministry and found it's a place that I love, a place that I want to serve, a place that I wanna go every Sunday when we're not in a pandemic and, and love on these kids and invest in their future. And God's still teaching me these truths about wholehearted service because Lord knows I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. But I now serve with love, with reverence, and with sacrifice in mind. I serve knowing deep down that I'm loving on future Christians who are going to change this world. And it reminds me of this song. It's called Available. It's by Elevation Worship. It's a pretty new song, but it expresses this truth about wholehearted service. It's in the lyrics. I hear you call. I hear you call, God. I am available. God, I'm available. I say yes, God. I say yes, here I am, God. Here I am for you. You can have it all. God, I give everything to you as an offering, as a sacrifice. God, here I am. I would encourage you to listen to that song in your own time. So this morning, I would like to close us in prayer. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the gift of wholehearted service. I thank you that we are able to delight you by our service. I thank you for you giving your son for us, for teaching us what it means to sacrifice, for teaching us what it means to serve selflessly, to be a servant. And God, I just pray that the words that were said here were good and encouraging and that hearts are changed for you. We thank you, God. In your name I pray, amen. May God bless you this morning.